At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this is the run line vsin's premier baseball betting show with adam burke here's ben wilson We welcome you in. It is yet another edition of the Run Line here from VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, our premier baseball betting show with Adam Burke at Skating Tripods, where you can find Adam on Twitter. I'm Ben Wilson, each and every Sunday, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Great to be back on the desk with you. I had the distinct pleasure of, I was sitting about 10 rows behind the family of one Ron Marinaccio last Sunday afternoon in the Bronx when you, okay. were, you were doing the show. Uh, it was great, but the I don't, I don't understand. The Yankees DFA'd uh, Marinaccio because they... You know, he's the only guy with options available. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, dude's like your third best reliever. What are you doing, Yankees? So, anyway, I'm now a st- Ron Marinaccio stand because I okay. sat behind all of his family who were all wearing Marinaccio jerseys. That guy's awesome. Okay. That's my Did my you buy one? For today. I did. did you ask them where to get one? I did not. They were all oh. custom, though. They had, like, the number on the well, side. Well, now you can get a AAA one if you want. I d- definitely, definitely, <laughs> could, definitely could do that. We have a lot to get to on the show today. We're going to go rapid recap, as we usually do to start the show here. Uh, but more aggression report, more real or fake. Need to get Adam's grades here for the trade deadline and try to figure out where, if any, value still lies in the three, really the three now, tight divisional races, the two wildcard races as well in both the AL and the NL. So a lot to get to for us here in the next two hours. Speaking of those Yankees, though, that NL Central race and, and the two games today is where we will start because uh, the, the Yankees, who had a very interesting trade deadline, which we'll get your thoughts on in a little bit, Bring in Frankie Montas, his debut today, and Adam, it did not exactly go swimmingly there on a hot, humid day at Bush Stadium where the balls were flying out of the yard. The Yankees jump all over him, six runs earned in just three innings, and even though it was a struggle of a start for Adam Wainwright, Cardinals at the end of the day able to pull away, win at 12-9, and it is a three-game sweep. St. Louis has won seven in a row. My goodness, Adam. A, break up the cards, and B, uh, Yankees, it's not been a smooth couple of weeks here for New York. No, it really hasn't been. In fact, the Yankees have now dropped five straight after what I think was a, a pretty good deadline. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more later on. I actually want to focus on the Cardinals here as opposed to focusing on the Yankees because, you know, your team, the Milwaukee Brewers, we kind of had yeah. a back and forth via text when, when the Josh Hader deal was announced. Um, can't really say what I said in that text, <laughs> but I thought it was certainly an interesting deal, and I do like the idea of it long-term for the Brewers with David Stearns having to thread the needle, you know, sort of, Compete, buy, sell, all of it at the same time. But the Cardinals, they went out there and got Jordan Montgomery. They got Jose Quintana, and they look invigorated. They look like a team that used the trade deadline as a springboard here 
as they've won seven in a row, whereas your Brewers are now two games back in that race. And you have to wonder kind of, you know, how things played out in the clubhouse for the Brewers with that hater deal specifically. You know, it's uh, Devin Williams. They did an interview with him, and he was basically at a loss for words. I think we're seeing in that central race what happens at the trade deadline from kind of an emotional standpoint, the Mm. dynamics of the clubhouse, all of that, where the Cardinals are taking off and uh, the Brewers are very much going in reverse. And Cardinals win again as a home dog today. Meanwhile, Corbin Burns and the Brewers, they lose as a near $3 favorite. So they get swept in Pittsburgh this week, lose two or three at home to Cincinnati. And that was, it was really a, it was a throwing error. Mike Brasso throws the game away essentially in the top of the 10th. Three base error. Reds win it 4-2 over Milwaukee. So the Reds, who have, as we've talked about before in the show, Adam, basically playing 500 baseball since that historically awful 3-22 and start, continue to be live, and they continue to really challenge some of these playoff contenders. I, I don't know where they rank of the teams to play spoiler down the stretch, but they got to be like a top-five team, right, of the, of the groups who are totally out of it. Yeah, well, you know, I, I was looking at this. This was kind of talked about. I got some run on social media, and I looked at it in the Daily Article this week. You know, for the Reds, I mean, Nick Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft, Hunter Green, They've all really had some impressive starts here of late. They're a very, very good organization in the minor leagues, and we're seeing those guys. Now that they're getting more comfortable at the big league level, the bullpen has even stabilized a little bit. Uh, the offense you know, still kind of is what it is, and obviously they're much better at home than they are on the road, but you know, the starting pitching is really setting the tone for this Reds team where Lodolo has been great of late. Ashcraft is a guy who throws really hard with cutting action. Not a whole lot of strikeouts for him yet, but... He's a tough guy to hit. And then Hunter Green, you know, the, as long as he can kind of curtail the walks, that's a guy that throws 100. He's got a nasty slider. So we're seeing the, the fruits of the player development labor for the Reds here. And, you know, look, anytime you're getting good starting pitching, it gives you a chance to win, and that's been the case here for the Reds for look, a while I, now. I was really impressed. I've been impressed with Lodolo. I was impressed watching Ashcraft today in that start against Milwaukee. Uh, meanwhile, as we continue looking at some of the rapid recap reaction to today, Pretty good pitching matchup there in New York, and a pretty big statement made by the New York Mets. They take four games of a five-game set against the Atlanta Braves, and look, I, I lost a first five under uh, today in that because Spencer Strider just did not have it. It gets a, gives up a four spot there in the bottom of the third to get chased, and Jacob deGrom, uh, still pretty, pretty good at baseball. Uh, you, you look at deGrom today, and remember, this was a truncated start his first time out in over 365 days. Today, 12 strikeouts and five at two and two thirds for Jacob DeGrom. Only one hit allowed, one walk, and the two earned runs. Uh, what a statement the Mets make, and they did it pretty emphatically today. 5 2 win to take four or five in that series. So, Jacob DeGrom today threw 33 sliders, got 20 swings on his 33 sliders. The Braves swung and missed 18 oh out of goodness. those 20 sliders. He had 25 swings and misses on 42 swings here in today's game. So a 60% whiff rate, essentially. Um, That is ridiculous. And the stuff looked good. It looked lively. At one point, he had thrown 16 sliders that were swung at, and the Braves had missed every single one of them. And this is an example of what the issue is with this Atlanta lineup. If you can generate swing and miss, you can beat the Braves. And the Mets have a lot of pitchers that can generate swing and miss, both in the starting rotation and also in the bullpen. We saw it with Scherzer. He pitched well. DeGrom obviously pitched well. Carrasco has swing and miss upside. David Peterson all of a sudden throwing 99 in this series, which is kind of crazy. Chris Bassett's a guy that gets enough swing and miss. This was a really impressive showcase from the Mets from a pitching standpoint. And 
One of the reasons why I was a little bit worried about the Braves is that when you can generate swing and miss, that's when their offense really struggles because they do swing and miss and strike out a lot. Uh, Speaking of really, really impressive, we saw the Guardians, Adam, look completely overmatched the first two games of that four-game set at home against Houston. They come out today on the uh, the Peacock game of the Sunday. one nothing win. Tristan McKenzie outduels Christian Javier as a home dog. And look, the Guardians keep pace with the Twins, uh, who, look, they, they, what happened to the uh, Twins earlier today, they're unable to win that series. They end up splitting a four-game set with Toronto, losing extra innings 3-2 to Kevin Gosman. And uh, this is back to a one-game uh, one decision-making uh, position right now in the AL Central. We'll get into our overall divisional thoughts in a bit, but... A guy we've talked about quite a bit on this show, Adam. I'm trying to figure out, okay, what do we really have here in Tristan McKenzie? And this was as good of a start as we've seen from him all year. Yeah, this is as good as it gets. Two hits allowed over eight shutout innings for him. Eight strikeouts, had 17 swings and misses in this one. By the way, when you look at the Astros, they don't swing and miss. They don't strike out. And that's kind of been their MO the last several years. One of the reasons why they've been so good offensively but Tristan McKenzie was very, very sharp today. And then Emmanuel Classe, of course, shutting it down where, I mean, he's been almost flawless throughout the course of the season here. I may have to start changing my tune on Tristan McKenzie. Mm. You know, the biggest issue is that last season, he walked too many guys. He'll give up home runs. And he was fortunate to keep the ball in the ballpark today. But the home runs are much worse when you have a high walk rate. And this season, he's really cut down on that walk rate and... He's just, I think he's also learning how to pitch. I think he was kind of in the minor leagues. He was a thrower because he could just throw it past people and he knew it. As he got to the major leagues, his velocity kind of dipped a little bit. He's been hurt a little bit throughout his career. I think now he's just really learning how to pitch. I think the most amazing thing here is a a one nothing game where the only, the only run a Luke Maley solo homer for the Guardians. Because why why not? not? (laughs) Cleveland goes to Detroit and to Toronto. This week, big couple of series. All the series will be big going on throughout the, the home stretch here. White Sox, by the way, they get an 8-2 win over the Rangers to at least salvage a four-game series split there. So we'll get into our full AL Central breakdown in a little bit. But that team, I swear I, to I, God, I, I know. I don't team, even want to I, mention the name. But. Man, I, I cannot believe how they just continue to underperform and underachieve. Yeah. I, I mean, the entire betting world, it seemed like, was on the White Sox that Thursday game, the opener against the Ranger starter making his Major League debut Including me. Including you. I, you were not the only one. I mean, that was like a 50-cent line move and a CLV, you cash another CLV uh, you know, store ticket there because they could not win. Uh, they, they are now two back. The White Sox are Guardians one back of Minnesota there in the AL Central. We talked about what a big weekend it was for the St. Louis Cardinals, who have now won seven straight. How about the Philadelphia Phillies? I get it's the Nationals, but to absolutely obliterate Washington in the fashion that they did, 13-1 today, four-game sweep, up uh, Phil's now also, when you consider, Adam, the struggles of the Braves where Atlanta loses four or five in that set to the Mets, Phillies are only three back now of Atlanta here for second place. And the Braves, you know, like the Braves, Padres, this whole wild card race in the NL, it's a lot tighter than people would probably imagine. We'll talk Padres Dodgers in a little bit since they're in Sunday Night Baseball. But what a week it was taking advantage of bad competition, Adam, something a lot of other teams looking at you, Milwaukee Brewers have not been able to do here in recent weeks. Yeah, really interesting stretch coming up for the Phillies here. They got three with Miami Tuesday through Thursday, so an off day here on Monday. Probably wish they were still playing, given you know Probably. what they did to the Nationals yeah. here. Then they're at the Mets for three, at Cincinnati for three, Mets at home for four, Cincinnati at home for four, Pittsburgh for three, and then at Arizona. Then they're at San Francisco, Miami, Washington, Miami. The schedule looks really kind for the Phillies here going forward, especially with the Giants just 
being in no man's land. I, I have no idea what's happened to that team. <laughs> yeah. They're just a gigantic mess. So outside of these seven games against the Mets between August 12th and August 21st, very- at Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare very very soft schedule for the phillies and we've seen their yes no playoff odds you know, really adjust here of late. Yep, we are going to look at those NL wildcard odds a little bit later in the show. On the AL side, uh, the Red Sox continue to just flatline here. They lose three of four in Kansas City. 13-5 loss today to the light-hitting Kansas City Royals. I mean, are we ready to just put a put a fork in those Boston Red Sox? Uh, you know, we talk about trade deadline grades, and I'll be able to talk about Boston here shortly, but nothing they did at the deadline made sense. Oof. Not rough. a thing. It was rough. In the meantime, Rays at least get a win. Rays 7-0, all seven runs in the top of the ninth. Mariners get a win, salvage a four-game series split there against the Angels. 6-3 win today. It is packed. It is tight in that AL wild card race. Still so much for us to get into. We have two hours here on the run line from VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Found Visa's premier baseball betting show. This is the run line. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in the Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. As we're just getting started, it's the run line Sunday night from Las Vegas. Back with Adam Burke. I'm Ben Wilson. Thanks to Brian Ortega, our handy dandy, trusty producer behind the glass. Band back together. Band is back together. Let's go. Let's go. I go on vacation. I go on vacation next week. I know you do. Sorry, man. I know. Apologies. But but I'm missing the one after that. So So this we're we're really gonna enjoy what we have going on right now. Well, Uh, this is why we have good depth. We can go to the bullpen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Go to the lefty. I mean, I'm a lefty, so maybe maybe you go maybe you go submarine righty. I don't know, something like that. Makes sense. That would make a lot of sense. Uh, we have Adam's trade grades coming up in just a second. We will have regression report, real or fake, still to come. First, though, a little check in at Sunday Night Baseball because we are we are in the midst now, and we're going to get we'll transition this into your thoughts on the overall Padres setup post trade deadline, Adam. But San Diego comes out; they predictably mash a bad Colorado team playing away from Coors Field as soon as they get the Juan Soto trade done. And then you go into L.A., and it has been a walking nightmare for the San Diego Padres this weekend. They lose the first two games going away. Already down 2 nothing in this one right now, middle of the fourth inning. And Tyler Anderson, who, to me, Adam, has been 
much more of a storyline than Tony Gonsolin this year, even though Gonsolin is the guy who got the, uh, the all-star game nod. The regression numbers on Gonsolin are just, it's like flashing red lights all over the place, while Anderson has really backed up his sub-3 RA pretty well. 2-0 lead behind uh, Homer from Cody Bellinger and an RBI base hit from Freddie Freeman off of you, Darvish. So 2-0 there. We're talking about uh, the, the in-game lines there in a second. You saw the Dodgers up to minus 550 live total now at 6.5. And, a half. and uh, what a statement. You talk about general statements, Adam, but just the Dodgers, the sweep of the Giants, the continued pounding here, the Padres trying to make it a, a four-game sweep. Uh, this has been some weekend for an L.A. team, really, that has proven it is the top dog there in the National League. Yeah, you know, the parallel that I drew in, in yesterday's MLB article was, you know, again, for those that don't know, must be under a rock, I'm, I'm a Cleveland guy. And I think back to the LeBron James Cavaliers teams. Whenever there was somebody who was a quasi-threat to the throne, they showed up. You know, whether it was in the playoffs or in the regular season, they showed up, and LeBron kind of slapped them back down a little bit. Kind of feels like what the Dodgers are doing here to the Padres in this series, what they've done to the Giants all season long, it feels like. Uh, you know, look, they're on the verge of, of this four-game sweep here. They've won seven in a row, nine of ten going into today. And they are plus, no, this game notwithstanding, they are plus 222 in run differential, Man. which is just astonishingly good. Yeah. This is just a dominant ball club, and it feels like when they want to show it, they've been able to show it, and they're showing it here. You look at Tyler Anderson, too. I mean, we, we talk so much about the offense, and like they start off the bottom of the fourth with a Max Muncy double. You can talk really any facet of this team. and, and they. But look, for as much as they have taken their foot off the brakes at times this year, I had this conversation earlier today with Jeff Parles on Betting Across America, and I, like, I was making the point that if you just took out, let's just say you were not, if you refused to bet the Dodgers as a favorite, anything higher than, like, let's just call it minus you know, 160, 180, because they've had some series where they were two and a half, three dollar favorites, where they, you know, they lost a series to Washington, they were swept by Pittsburgh, just some really bizarre outcomes where they clearly were not invested. If you only bet them in some spots like these today, where they're about a dollar, you know, fifty to sixty favorite, and you bet them just as a more of a short favorite in a quote unquote competitive matchup, you like that would be such a profitable venture this year. They still have a very good ROI, and that's even including some of those absolute stink bombs where you're laying. Yeah, two point seven five three units to win one. They're plus seven eighteen on the ROI this year, based on a hypothetical hundred dollar bet. So, to me, Adam, I, I have to imagine the numbers again. If you were only betting them against competition like the Padres, would be even higher this year. I could be wrong, but that's my general thought on LA. Well, and let's think about this too. I mean, they're in route here to their seventy fifth win. We'll see if they can tack on an insurance run here with nobody out and runner on second and the fourth. They have seventy four wins. They've won eight of those games by one run. So they've covered Eights. the run line in 66 of their 74 wins, which is remarkable. So as good as they've been on the money line, they've actually been even better on the run line this season because they just maul teams. I mean, they're 50 and 21 against right-handed starters. They're 51 and 19 against teams with a losing record. So yeah, they've had a couple of those hiccups. You know, you talk about that series against the pirates where they got swept and all that, but I mean, if they win this game today, they'll be 35 and 12 against the West um, I mean, this team, they they feel like they're on a mission. And the thing about them, too, is they didn't have to give up anything really at the trade deadline. They made a couple of minor moves here and there. They added Joey Gallo. They you know kind of shifted around the bullpen a little bit. But they got Chris Taylor back here for this series. Justin Turner should be back soon. They'll get Dustin May up shortly. Walker Bueller comes back in September. They didn't have to add anything, and they're getting you know some world-class kind of talent yeah. 
just off the injured list the rest of the way. It's yeah, it's a scary proposition right now when when you look at LA two nothing lead there into the bottom of the fourth, and they still have nine games left against San Diego, three more series against the Padres. So you look at San Diego, and we'll start there with the trade deadline grades because I mean we've we've seen all the articles come out in the wake of Juan Soto, the the deal there. You add in as well the Josh Hader signing. I don't know how anybody could not give the Padres an A for what they did at the deadline, Adam, but we, the, the, difficult, the difficult discussion then becomes, well, what's the realistic value futures-wise going forward? So I'd imagine, look, you're, you, see, you see here on your screen the ESPN power rankings after the trade deadline with the Padres at fifth right now, World Series odds, most spots, including at DraftKings, 12-1. to 1. So, I, look, you can give the Padres an A. That, I think that's totally fine unless you don't, but I don't know how, why you wouldn't. Uh, but realistically, though, for San Diego going forward, it's not been a great look coming straight away out of that deadline, even with the pieces they have had. And do you view them better than the Mets, the Braves, or the Dodgers at this point in that, uh, you know, in that core four grouping there of the NL? I think that's the question. Well, certainly not better than the Dodgers, as oh, we're kind of finding out here. Uh, and I would <laughs> say not better than the Mets either. I mean, you know, I'm not a huge believer in the Mets offense. We've kind of talked about that at various points here throughout the season. Just because you know, they don't really make a ton of contact quality. So that is something I worry about a little bit with them. But, I mean, when you're talking about in a short series, getting DeGrom twice, Scherzer twice, Carrasco's still really good. Uh, you know, who knows? Tyler McGill is starting to throw again. So they may have him as a multi-inning relief option in the playoffs. I think the Mets are, are very solidly the number two team. You could certainly make a case that the Padres are better than the Braves. Uh, you know, just because of what I talked about already, where the Braves... If they're in a high strikeout environment, it's problematic for them, and they will be a lot in the playoffs, given the teams that they're going to be facing. So that is worrisome. And, and also the biggest issue for the Padres this season has been performance against right-handed pitching. Well, when you get Juan Soto, when you get Josh Bell, uh, even you know Brandon Drury, you kind of fix that a little bit. So I could make a case where the Padres are the third-best team in the NL, but I still think that it's pretty clear mm -hmm. that they're well behind the Dodgers and the Mets. The thing about the Soto deal, while they'll lose Josh Bell after the year, unless they, for whatever reason, decide to re-sign him, they still have control on Hayter, and they still have control on Soto. And I think those are two really important things to talk about with this deal because they gave up a mountain of young talent. So right now the deal is an A, but this has become a World Series or bust team. And if mm -hmm. they bust, well, they gave up you know 25 years or so Worth of, of yes. prospect control Com to, to make control, this move. Right. Well, and that's that is, as we talk about every single deadline, that is the nuance of trying to make grades and predictions based on this. I st I'll never forget when, uh, not to you know make you feel bad, Adam, but when my Brewers traded for CC Sabathia, mm -hmm. everybody in Milwaukee was like, You gave up Matt Laporta? You gave up Matt Laporta for CC Sabathia? Well, I think Matt Laporta, what, played in like 40 yeah. Major League Baseball games. And Not much. The concussion they, didn't help him that he got uh, an international play, but didn't help. Cleveland him. did get Michael Brantley out of that deal, too. They did get Michael Brantley. He was pretty good. And that's funny how that, but that's how it was phrased. It was right. like, wow, we gave up Matt LaPorta. Michael Brantley and, was the player to be named later in that deal. He was the player to be named later. So that's how we look at this in retrospect here. Of the contenders that made moves at the deadline, which other ones, if any, earned an A grade from you as we sit so, here now? I wanted the I didn't want the Twins, being a Guardians fan. I didn't want the Twins to get Montas or, or Castillo, and they didn't get either one of them, but they got Tyler Mayle, and they also wound up getting some bullpen help as well. So, you know, I think that they, by virtue of being the only team that did anything in that division, uh, I guess we kind of give them an A on a curve because they actually did something, yeah. and maybe, the White Sox maybe, didn't, and the Guardians didn't. A minus, so like maybe. Yeah, A, a minus Look, is good. If you're Tyler Malley, the fact that you get a sub 
four ERA, pitching in Great American Ballpark all season. Like, there's got to be something something to be said for that. It, it's not quite the Coors Field corollary pitching in Denver, but the guy, and you can say the same thing for Luis Castillo, who put up even better numbers than Malley this year. Those numbers don't lie, and it's not like he was getting all that fortunate either if you look at his advanced numbers uh, this season. You add him, and, and again, while you have to think for Baltimore, you know, you're selling high at the high point for Jorge Lopez, and Minnesota had to give up four prospects in return. That's a guy who's having a career year, and we know that the bullpen there, when you have somebody uh, you know, like a Yuan Duran who's very young, who throws 103 miles an hour, average fastball velocity 101, you got to have some other you know, tertiary pieces there to help him out and support. So I'm, I'm with you. You have to, have to like those pieces specifically. It's now just, can, what can you get out of the starting pitching? And that's you know, it's something you can't really quantify in a deadline grade, right? But they at least right. added and tried to. So we understand it from that perspective. Trying is, is half the battle in the AL Central, I guess I would <laughs> trying say. Trying is half the battle, yes. Three teams within two games of that division lead. We'll get up next into Adam's teams who did not necessarily get A's. We'll go bottom of the spectrum. I want to hear some F's out of Adam. Maybe some D's, F's. We'll find out F, next. Just now I'll avoid F the F bombs. Here. Avoid no, those. no, no. None of that here on the road line. You found Visa's premier baseball betting show. This is the run line. The VSIN College Football Guide is out now. Start your football season on the right foot with expert profiles of every team, including trends, power ratings, and over-under recommendations, plus our best season win total bets, Heisman hopefuls, and playoff predictions. The only way to get access to this year's football betting guide is to become a VSIN All Access subscriber. Sign up early, and for a discount at $175, you'll receive the College and Pro Football Betting Guides along with full VEASAN access all the way through the Super Bowl. Or join us for $40 a month and see everything VEASAN has to up your betting game. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the Sports Betting Network. Back with Adam Burke, I'm Ben Wilson on the run line on a Sunday night from downtown Las Vegas. Circus Sportsbook Studio, still 2-0 there in L.A., Adam. Tyler Anderson, 50 Nine pitches now to get four and two-thirds. One strike away from cashing first five tickets for the Dodgers and first five under there. So two-nothing Dodgers. And what were you just saying in the last uh, break? Kind of helped that uh, he left a certain certain venue called Coors Field where he used to pitch as the home guy every fifth day. Yeah, not only did that help Tyler Anderson, but also you know then he went to the Pirates. And the Pirates are doing much better from a player development standpoint now. Now that they've changed regi- regimes and they've kind of mm-hmm. reshuffled the deck. But during the Neil Huntington years, I mean, early on, things were okay. But as we got deeper into the the regime there, uh, things didn't go so well. So Tyra Anderson was with a Pirates team that didn't really seem to understand pitching development very much. He was also pitching in Coors Field. Now he goes to the Dodgers, where they're good at virtually everything. And here he is having a career year. And the, the command looks so good. Shaving both sides of the plate. The changeup is elite. And he's added more depth to it. Uh, I mean, this is this is a huge story that's really not getting a whole lot of run. And again, if, if I'm a player, right, if I'm a free agent and I can go and be the fifth starter for the Dodgers or the Rays or somebody like that, instead of pitching in the middle of the rotation for somebody else, I'm going to do it because I'm going to look at guys like Tyler Anderson and I'm going to say, I mean, what's this guy's next contract look like now? And you know that development is coming, too. And, when, right. and you know the run support is likely going to be really good. Yep. And you were pitching in Los Angeles, and you figure that October baseball is going to be a realistic option. So it, it's all come together this year for Anderson. He's really done a great job of controlling the pitch count. He is going to get a little comebacker to the mound. So, again, Dodgers first five, first five under both cash there. 
through four and a half innings. Dodgers two. I guess we still have to get through one more uh, bottom half of the fifth inning there on the first five total. But uh, Dodgers two nothing there through four and a half innings. And something else I think is really interesting here. So last year, 2021, Tyler Anderson made two and a half million. Year before, 1.775. The Dodgers signed him to an $8 million deal. So massive pay bump when the numbers were, you know, eh, kind of were what they were. Fine, but they not saw amazing. something. Yeah. Right? They saw something to the point where they were willing to go out there and give this cat $8 million for one year. Now he's going to work himself into a three or four year deal at probably 15 per, something like that. It's not bad. That's a good investment in your future. And again, I think free agents will absolutely take notice. No doubt. Uh, as far as we just talked about some of these teams you really, really liked. Any others you wanted to throw in there as well? We talked. Like, obviously, Padres, but Twins, we give an A-, minus to any other teams who are above average to you that you give uh, give high, high flying either, what, B, B-plus, A-minus grades to there, Adam? So people are going to like hearing this, but I don't shy away from, from hot oh, takes. No, not at all. I really like what the Baltimore Orioles did at the trade deadline. When you look at fan graphs, and obviously I understand they've won five in a row, and, and credit you know to them for that. Obviously, they continue to battle. Their bullpen is still really, really good, even without Jorge Lopez. Finally lost today but to Pittsburgh. They That's right. They had, according to fan graphs, about a 3% chance of making the playoffs on the day of the trade deadline. And I know, depending on the source you looked at, Dakota was like 15%. Baseball reference was 20 I tend to shy towards single-digit percentage chance of making the playoffs, right? So Jorge Lopez, who was objectively bad for like four years until they got four really good months out of him. The Orioles are not a team looking to win now. You have to really legitimately build from the ground up and have the strongest minor league system you can possibly have because you have to go up against the Yankees, Red Sox, Rays, and Blue Jays every single year. So you have to have a really healthy organization you have to have a lot of prospect talent. You have to hit on some of these lottery ticket pitchers that you acquire or that you draft or whatever else. So this is very much about the long game for Baltimore. And I understand it's an exciting season. They're you know 56 and 52. People are all caught up in Oriole magic and all of that. But not only do I like what they did, I like that Michael Elias came out and he said, look, yeah, we want to make the playoffs this year. That'd be great. But we have to build ourselves up to have as long of a contention window as possible. And he's absolutely right. So I know people are upset that they traded Trey Mancini, that they traded Jorge Lopez, that they were a seller when they're clearly in the mix for the second wild or the third wild card mm-hmm. spot. But that's what this organization needed to do. And it sucks as a fan. I get it. I understand that. But from a business standpoint, from the health of the franchise, they made the right move. So I agree with what they did. We'll see if they wind up sticking around in this playoff race, but they had to look long-term when they're locked in the division that they're locked in. And what essentially you're saying is mediocrity with a chance of uh, of overperformance on uh, compared to your baseline is really not an optimal strategy when you play in a division as that deep as the American League East, kind of in in a nutshell. And I get it. I mean, and I was sort of, you know, look, I was one of the many saying, what are you doing, Baltimore? Come on. And I come from, you know, we both come from the small market background of rooting for teams in Major League Baseball where it's like, if you've got a chance, I say go for it. So, But I, I completely understand what uh, what you're saying. And who, maybe they'll be able to sign Trey Mancini in the offseason. Who knows? Like, that's actually realistic. Jorge Lopez, I, I totally agree with because that's a guy who has really never done it at all. You get four good months out of him, four prospects in return. Mancini's the one where I'm, okay, he's like the heartbeat of your franchise. 
dude's been le- legitimately good for a le- extended period of time. But who knows? Maybe they'll maybe they'll get him back in the offseason. I don't know. And, and the difference for for our two teams, Milwaukee and Cleveland, is that you know there, there's no benefit now to winning the division unless you're a top two seed, whereas there used to be. You know, you would be able mm-hmm. to avoid that wild card round and all that. But the difference is. The Guardians and the Brewers are fighting effectively one team or two teams, you know, in the case yeah. of, of Cleveland, to make the playoffs. Baltimore's fighting everybody who's in the mix for a wild card spot. So their chances are definitely a lot lower than Milwaukee's of winning the NL Central or Cleveland's of knocking off the Twins. So that's kind of what it boils down to to me is that when you look at the Guardians, they were you know, like 30% to win the division. You know, and the Orioles were, let's generously say, 10% to make the playoffs at all. Even, even it's, it's that a big base. difference. I get what you're saying. Speaking of the Brewers, where, where does your grade rank on them? And I should say, where did your grade rank at the trade deadline? And where does your grade rank uh, five days later as the Brewers have completely forgot how to pitch from anybody who's not a starting pitcher? Well, I will say that things look a lot stranger now that they DFA'd Denilson Lamette. And Jake McGee today, as well. right? Uh, that look. I mean, I, if the Brewers can't figure out a way to make Lamette work with some of the guys that they've made work, I mean, they kind of resurrected Wade Miley's career a few years ago by working on a cutter with him. He's been able to you know make some money and hang around. That's strange to me. You know, I, I thought that getting a lottery ticket like Lamette that seems like a Brewers kind of move, along with you know mm-hmm. getting Taylor Rogers and Estuary Ruiz and and the guys that got in that deal. Now it doesn't really make as much sense, and I understand the the frustration. You know how disgruntled some of the players in that clubhouse were with how things were approached there. I completely get it, and at the time, you know, I, I justified it. But you know, as you're kind of watching this whole thing play out, and and ultimately, look, this is a problem for me in general, right? I I look very black and white. I don't know any of these players. I don't have to worry about yeah. the human element, right? So my analysis is much different than somebody who's closer to the team or, or something like that. It makes sense because the Brewers are a bottom three market in Major League Baseball. The idea of, you know, they're going to lose Josh Hader after next year anyway. So the idea of moving him a year early as opposed to a year late, I get it. But maybe they just didn't really isolate the the right trade partner or the right package yeah. of players. Well, and you point out something that is really hard to quantify, and that is, you know, especially in Major League Baseball, the meshing of mm-hmm. bodies in a in a clubhouse. But the reality is the Brewers' bullpen since the All-Star break, 20th in whip, 26th in opponent OPS, and 26th in ERA. 499 on the ERA since the All-Star break. Any other teams join the Brewers? I don't know if you you would go, uh, probably F is a little strong on Milwaukee. I know as a a disgruntled Brewer fan myself, I will go F for the trade deadline. Uh, Who are among your other bottom feeder teams who you really felt like did a poor, poor job as bad as you could ask for at the trade deadline? Well, frankly, I think there are quite a few Fs to give out. The White Sox get one. I mean, I, how you don't do anything, Adam Burke, I, I Mr. really don't F know. now is what we're going to call uh, him. Yeah, that's fine. The, the Guardians, F for them. Uh, just because, F. look, F. I mean, they're so good at trades, right? Their trade record is very, very strong. To not get any pitching help and to not move a guy like Zach Plesak, which... You know, I think they tried to, mm-hmm. but they were unsuccessful with that. I get it. They want to be patient with all their prospects. It makes sense. But uh, I, I was surprised to not see them do anything. Boston, I have no idea what the hell they did. They get an F. F. And, and Colorado, how do you do absolutely <laughs> no? The only thing the Rockies did was sign a 37-year-old relief pitcher to an extension. Hey, man, they this signed Nelson Lamette today. This is why they're bad. This is just what they're probably going to end up with Fran Reyes, too, for what it's worth. 
But this yeah. is why they're bad. Decisions like this that make no sense now or for the future. So, F. honorable mention, mess. honorable mention, Cubs. When you do a little soiree to Wilson Contreras and don't even trade him, didn't move half either. We will talk regression report when we return. Also, update some more action in Sunday Night Baseball. That's next here on the Run Line. Visa's premier baseball betting show. This is at Bet365. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. We welcome you back in. It is the run line here from VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, with our producer Brown Ortega behind the glass with Adam Burke. I'm Ben Wilson. Big shout out as well. Andrew Ingold, our technical director behind the glass tonight. Dakota, Taylor, they're all hanging out as well back there, trying to make us look competent as best we can. That was fun, though, giving out Fs. I mean, I was never a teacher, but it was kind of fun to just, you know, oh, yeah. fail a bunch I of people. Bag. Could have given out more if you wanted me to. We'd, well, maybe if we run it. But then we can move on. We never, we really never do. We, there's always so much for us to talk about on this show. We haven't even gotten to regression report yet, which we like to get in in hour number one of the show. Uh, by the way, bottom of the fifth inning, 2 nothing still Dodgers against the Padres. Freddie Freeman up with two outs runner on second there. So uh, that's our quick Sunday Night Baseball update. And we've got a few pitchers that uh, I am fascinated to look at today with you, Adam, because really, I guess if, if we want to, uh, we talk about that White Sox team. Every time I mention them, you're just like, oh, do we have to again? But of these three pitchers, look, they're all pitching for, for teams, that, with the exception of the last guy we'll talk about. Teams that are right in the mix, at least for, for some sort of postseason here, and are going to have uh, – the teams are going to ask a lot out of them down the stretch. Johnny Cueto is the one we'll start with here on the regression reports that Adam uh, has identified. He's essentially been like the – I mean, outside of Dylan Cease, he's been basically the second guy and the the most reliable White Sox starter, which I think for some people, you think about that and you say, wait, really, Johnny Cueto? Like, he's he's the guy Chicago is relying on the most outside of a Dylan Cease. But let's look at the numbers here. And I know you've, you've uncovered some things with Cueto, who's had, in a sense, somewhat of a renaissance year. But the question now is, how sustainable will that be here going forward? Well, and to your point, when you look at the F4 leaderboard for Chicago's pitchers, and that's Fangraphs' calculation of wins above replacement player, Dylan sees far and away number one, 3.5. Number two, Reynaldo Lopez. Was wow, having a there's great a guy. Year as, a, as a reliever. Now there's a guy. Indeed. I think I had him in fantasy in like 2015. He, but yeah, before he wow. became a dominant reliever when he was a flamed out starter. I number was really three, high on him as a, as a 2015 starter. Johnny Cueto. So he's ahead of Lucas Chilito. He's ahead of closer Liam Hendricks, ahead of Michael Kopech, ahead of Lance Lynn, who's only made 10 starts, but 
they haven't been particularly good. Uh, and then, you know, look, this is this is a scenario where the White Sox pitching really hasn't been as good as I expected it to be, including guys like Giolito, including guys like Lynn. Cueto's had to be that guy, as you mentioned. And Cueto's not walking a whole lot of people, so that's good. But when you look at him, since June 6th, I picked kind of an arbitrary end date, but it does give us two months' worth of sample size, so I feel like that's kind of a, a pretty reasonable time to mm-hmm, look at yeah. here. 290 ERA, but a 435 FIP, 85.7% left on base percentage, and he's striking out less than 16% of batters. So we talk about stranding runners and having a high left on base percentage, generally easier to do if you're getting strikeouts to end innings and leaving guys out there. That's not the case with Cueto, who's on a defensive team that's not particularly great. I would expect Cueto to struggle here as we go forward. Now, this could be a scenario where Cueto gives up like 10 runs in three innings, and that's his regression. Mm-hmm. But I think it'll be something that's kind of a little bit more gradual for him because he doesn't okay. walk guys. So I think Cueto is is a fade candidate out there in the marketplace yeah, so right now. Not quite like the Logan Gilbert where we knew some was right. coming, and then it all happened in like two starts, and the Yankees hit, you know. 12 homers off of him right. that you were like, oh, there's the regression. That was that was the regression. That was easy. Yeah. And now we're back to being right. even. Uh, speaking of the Mariners, though, we saw this guy get lit up yesterday and a pretty disappointing weekend, all things considered, with how much momentum the Mariners had built up. As you said earlier, like anytime you're talking about salvaging splits against a team like the Angels, who are just in complete flatliner mode right now, you have to be disappointed. But Chris Flexen gives up five runs in six innings on six hits there. Uh, and that's a guy who I, I would imagine kind of fits in somewhat of the same mold as Equato, even though he's certainly much younger. He was able to avoid a whole lot of regression last year, and it seems like he's been able to do a lot of the same things once again this year in Seattle. Yeah, so Seattle's a bit better of a defensive team than the White Sox, so at least there's that for him. But Chris Flexen, over the last two months here, 336 ERA, 452 FIP, and a low strikeout rate, 15.5%. The difference between him and Cueto is that Flexen also has a below-average walk rate at nine, almost 9.5%. So he's getting a lot of guys on base. He does not generate strikeouts. Still has an 82% left on base percentage. And I would have liked to have seen Seattle get another starter because I don't believe in Marco Gonzalez, as we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in Chris Flexen. Certainly like Robbie Ray. Love Luis Castillo. That was a great move for the Mariners. They gave up a lot, but I think they got totally the best it. pitcher out there on the market for right now. Uh, and Logan Gilbert is what he is. You know, he's going to have some rough starts because he throws a lot of strikes. He will give up home runs, especially on the road. But Flexen is not a guy that, you know, when I'm fighting for a playoff spot, I want to be sending out there every five days because I don't like a lot of the peripherals that are there. Of course, he could still have success at home, you know, in a great pitching environment, but he's still a guy that that I look to go against more often than I look to play on. Going against Chris Flexen down the stretch. So keep uh, keep that in mind. It, just fun, funny for Flexen. Last year, I mean, 361 on the ERA, 427 on the expected ERA. These are full season numbers. This year, 392 on the ERA, 477 on the expected. Right. So it's, you, you, you get into that conversation of all right, which guys, whether that is based on defense behind them or whether that is just based on pitch arsenal and general, general strategy of approach, which sort of guys are maybe more susceptible or or, or maybe lean towards the oh they might actually benefit from some you know from some normal regression type stats and you know which of, which of that those are due to kind of come back to earth over time maybe he is just one of those guys where since coming back from from overseas where he, you know he was kind of floundering in the uh, in in the KBO to start got really really hot gets the contract back in San Diego it's like 
how, what, what sort of guys are like that who maybe are just, uh, you know, that, they're, that, those are the type of pitchers they are. They can, they can pitch around a lot of their regression. Well, and Dakota Hudson's one of those guys for the Cardinals where mm, yeah. money gets bet against that guy almost every time he pitches. And when you look at his career number, 345 ERA, 463 FIP. This season, a 420 ERA, 545 expected ERA. He's just a guy that's done it for a long period of time, it feels like. And he has had some injury issues. He was limited to eight and two-thirds last year. But that's a guy that, with low strikeout rates and high walk rates, he just gets by. And he's just one of the exceptions. There's always going to be exceptions. I mean, look, we're talking about regression in terms of kind of predictive metrics. Sometimes they just don't come through. For a guy like Hudson, that's what happens. guaranteed, right, exactly. Uh, What about this last guy we'll talk about? He's the one of this trio of pitchers not really going to be in, in part of a postseason push. Miami Marlins have completely cratered, fallen off, fallen off the map here. And Lopez, look, this is the third straight year he's pitched with a sub-4 ERA. Third straight year, too, you look at his expected ERA, his fielding independent pitching, and his expected fielding independent pitching. They're all below 4, Adam. It's just been a model of consistency for Lopez, but the, the recent times kind of with the rest of this Marlins team have been really, really rough. Gave up four runs on nine hits, uh, yesterday against the Cubs in a loss as uh, Miami uh, continues to fall further and further out of that wild card race. They made it obvious they were not buyers at the trade deadline, nor should they have been. So where do you stand at a guy like Lopez, who has been so consistent the last three seasons, but is in a pretty rough 60-day stretch right now? Yeah, over the last two months for Pablo Lopez here, 515 ERA, 431 FIP. Part of this is a low left on base percentage. It is in the 68.5% range. So there is that. He's getting a little bit unlucky in terms of his sequencing. But this is a guy, I mean, you look at three of his last four starts, he's given up 15 runs. You know, you have six runs on 12 hits to the Mets to end the month of July. Pablo Lopez just doesn't look right. And I kind of picked up on this a little while ago. Haven't really been able to make too much money off of it here because, you know, it's it's been tough to go against him because the market's kind of adjusted a little bit. But he's been struggling for a while. You know, the, the command hasn't been nearly as good. The control hasn't been nearly as good. The strikeouts have kind of come and gone. I don't know if this is potentially a workload issue. And I do worry about this a little bit here going forward because, look, this is a guy, 122 or 123 and two-thirds innings is a career high at the MLB level for him, which you don't really think about. But he missed you know, basically the second half of last season, mm-hmm. only through 102 innings. And I look at another guy on that team in, in Sandy Alcantara where he's pitching a ton. Last time I looked, he had 20 more innings than any other starting pitcher. Don Mattingly really rides and kind of abuses these starters a little bit. I'm a little bit worried about Lopez, not even just for this year, but also going forward. And I thought it was really interesting that he was probably pretty available at the trade deadline just because the Marlins don't really like paying guys. Nobody got a deal done for him. And I wonder if there was a value gap between how the Marlins view him and how other teams view him in light of the fact that I am seeing some of these negative signs. The contact management numbers are still really good. The hard hit percentage is good. But something that seems to be off here a little bit with yeah. him, and I wonder if teams are a little worried about the medicals. And it, as you point out, this is just a classic case of you got to read between the lines because, again, we like on the surface, you look at the consistency and the past performance, and you think, okay, well, surely this is just a rough patch. But I think everything you're saying, and you, know, you, you also have to figure out your own eye test there. When, you, when we've watched him, and again, you could say, well, it's Wrigley Field in summer. The wind's blowing out. It's a tough place to, pl- place to pitch. But as you're saying, I mean, this has been pretty extended. I mean, you look at it now, it's what, five of his last nine outings, two or more walks. And, and in four of those nine outings, it's been at least three walks, which is not something you normally see out of a guy who's never walked more than three per nine. 
hence maybe some of those concerns. Yeah, for sure. And, and again, I mean, this is why I look at things like spin rate, like velocity, like swings and misses. I want to see the quality of a guy's stuff play out through the data. And we just haven't seen that for a while mm. now from Lopez. Team as a whole, Miami. That's too. Outside of the Sandy days, it's just like, what are we, what are we doing? Kind of wish they would have moved Jesus Aguilar because I love that guy. But, oh, well. Here we go. We're at, that's where we're at with the Miami Would have been the right 20, call to move. 22 I totally agree with you. I will come back. Hour number two of the run line. Update everything going on in Sunday Night Baseball. That's next. Preseason football kicks off this month and the visa. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.